the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of the SpotTrack.com podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester along with Paul Peck and the founder of SpotTrack.com, Mike Gennetti. We're going to do something kind of different today. We're going to be joined by a special guest, one of the greatest offensive line coaches in the history of the National But it's Football all related League. to money, which is what this is all about, right, Mike? Yeah, he probably is not the highest paid offensive yes, line coach. No, not, not Jim. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Jim, Jim but McNally the- is going to join us in a little bit, but... Uh, Paul, tell him why we're going to uh, have Jim McNally, then we'll let Mike speak. Well, because Jim McNally is probably <laughs> the guy most responsible for creating the second highest paid undrafted free agent in NFL history. And one of the really intriguing stories, Mike, uh, of the last 20 years in the NFL, not only because an undrafted guy has become so good, but because he completely changed his position once he got to the NFL, and that is incredibly rare to have happened. It's rare. I think maybe it's not as rare as we think. I think maybe it happens a little bit more, especially for guys who are just trying to keep you know stick on a roster. But I think it's rare for it to happen, and then there'll be this much success, right? I think sure. An undrafted guy who switches positions in the NFL and then is on his way to the Hall of Fame now with that second position. So it, it's a great story. Um, there's a, it's kind of a loaded story. There's a lot to it, especially financially. There's a lot to it. You've got some, uh, you know, he's obviously made a lot of money, but there were some, uh, there were some drawbacks to that, right? I think he sure. had some disputes over the years. Um, he's obviously landed in a good spot in Philadelphia now and, uh, you know, was, was an integral piece to that Super Bowl win last year. You know, and when we uh, talk about undrafted players in the National Football League, usually it's a skill position, right? A guy who comes yeah. out of nowhere, right? I always mentioned, he, Paul mentioned he's second. Um, I'd make everybody guess who's one, <laughs> and I'll let everybody guess who's one. We'll wait till the end of this pod yeah. before they uh, do But that. wasn't Kurt Warner undrafted, right? That's correct. He, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback. Those are the stories uh, you think about. It's usually, uh, you know, not a plumber, if you will. True. Right? Yeah, th- yeah that's like the ultimate story, though, right? Like yes. He's, he's bagging groceries, and then he wins the Super Bowl, right? Yes. You know, um, uh, Kurt Warner, but I'm just saying, like, you know, an offensive lineman uh, to have that long of a career and make that much money at it, uh, being undrafted, mm-hmm. and particularly undrafted, um, in a position that what is not the one he's playing yeah, in the National Football and, League, and right? Jason Peters was incredibly intriguing when he even came out of Arkansas because he was a 330-pound tight end. You know, I mean, with hands. with four-eight <laughs> right. speed, he was you know, Jared Lorenzen of tight ends. Yeah, but I mean, big. I remember, you know, <laughs> we're here in Buffalo, and Kevin, you and I both covered the Bills back in those days, and it was it was a big story. It was probably a story that the local media did more on an undrafted guy than anybody has ever done before because you're like look at this guy and there were highlights from Arkansas of him running post patterns downfield catching catching a pass that literally looked like a golf ball in his hands and <laughs> blowing through tackles he was 330 pounds and he was faster than the linebackers and as fast as some of the safeties so it was an incredibly interesting story but the problem was they didn't know what to do with him and yeah. that's where Jim McNally came in as being one of the all-time great offensive line coaches in NFL history with the Bengals for many years Anthony Munoz credits him him with making Munoz the Hall of Famer that he is. So, um, you know, and and literally the pet project of Jim McNally was turn this freak 330-pound athlete into a offensive lineman. And not only does he do that, Mike, he turns him into arguably one of the best offensive linemen all time. I think, I think plenty of people would say it. I think really? so. Really? I think plenty of people would say it. 
Yeah, it's been long enough now. I mean, the, the longevity years of the there. league. Yeah. You know, uh, all pro. Uh, you know, uh, all pro like six times. I can I can name. There's plenty. Yeah. Plenty of linemen. He's in I the conversation. Let's him. say that. Let's say that. <laughs> Is he a Hall of Famer when he yeah. retires? Yeah, I think he's there. No, I'll say no. No, no. Really? No. Just because he played 14 years? No. I think the list is going to be thin, and he'll get in. I don't Look think... Look at that. That's for another another episode, but... Yes. There, there are not... <laughs> there are not... The, the, what constitutes a Hall of Famer in this modern generation is going to be very, very difficult. Jason soon. Peters does not constitute that, it. No? <laughs> no? I, well, you know what? Uh, I, I guess you know this is why they have the uh, the room, right, yeah. where everybody makes the arguments, yeah. because my, initial, my knee-jerk reaction is no. Oof. I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, we can ask Jim what he thinks about it. Um, I, I don't know that I feel like it's a slam dunk yet, but but mm-hmm. he he's 14 years at the top of the league for the entire career. That's 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 kind of Hall of Fame like material, isn't it? Uh, you know, it, it, he feels it, Hall of Famey. Is Ruben Brown a Hall of Famer? Oof. No, no, no. Played pretty much the same amount of years, right? Yeah, but did he yeah, die? I think Jason nine, Peters is considered a better player. Made nine Pro better. Bowlers, started in a Super Bowl, yeah, right? The numbers are there. So, and and your need your reaction to Ruben is no. I think I think the conversation is going to be like this though when it comes time, right? Right. They'll be. I think they'll be. It'll be close. I think they're the same guy. Ooh, that's not good for him then. All right. <laughs> Jim so, McNally yeah. is going to be our guest So here. we'll talk to him about that, the transition, about the challenge, about how he's been able, how he was able to make Peters who he is now. And and uh, we can also talk to Jim as to how he reflects back on helping create the second highest paid undrafted free agent in NFL history. And the beauty of the podcast is, here is our conversation with Jim McNally. Well, welcome in Jim McNally, who is uh, traveling at this time. So if he's got a run, that means he's missed his uh, connection. Uh, but Jim, thanks for joining us here on the SpotTrack.com podcast. Yeah, thank you. I'm ready to go. All right. Well, we were talking about Jason Peters, and we were setting up a little bit before the circumstances of here's an undrafted guy out of Arkansas at tight end, converts to offensive lineman, and had a gr- is having a great career uh, at the tackle position. Can you bring us into um, the decision to move Peters from tight end to offensive line? Well, when we first got Jason, he was a tight end from Arkansas. He was an undrafted, actually, free agent. And actually, a little history, we did cut him before the season. He went to a few other teams for tryouts. And bottom line is we re-signed him uh, before the season started again. And... uh, so he was a tight end, and that's the position he knew. But he was like six uh, four and a little bit, three hundred and forty or fifty pounds. You know, strong, quick, agile. And I think back in all of our minds, uh, from Mike Malarkey on to all the coaches, uh, we thought that this guy would be a great offensive lineman. You know, particularly tackle. Uh, you know, left tackle. Uh, but you know, we would have to move him, and there would be some transition and this, that, and the other. So the first year. Uh, you know, he played uh, special teams. He was our best special teams player. You know, everybody tells the same story against Cincinnati. He broke through the line on a punt, ran right over the personal protector, blocked the punt, scored a touchdown. He usually was the first one down under kickoffs. Uh, but, so anyway, as things progressed, I don't remember the exact timeline. Uh, you know, we worked him in uh, as a tight end on short yardage, and then I'm not sure exactly the timeline, whether it was late his first year or in his second year, 
we moved him to offensive tackle. Uh, Mike Williams got hurt, and he moved to right tackle, finished the year that way, and then we moved him to left tackle, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. Uh, you know, he, you know, I mean, all the accolades he has, he's big, he's strong, he's quick, he's fast, he's powerful. Uh, and it was just a matter of time, obviously, before he became a star. Hey, Jim, was he reluctant to move at all? No, no, no. He was not reluctant. He wanted to move. I mean, he didn't. I, I, he's kind of a quiet guy. I don't think he came in on his hands and knees and begged us to move. But, I mean, you know, it was... You know, he knew that that would be his best position. And then we, you know, how, however, when and how and why that we made that exact uh, decision, I can't specify it. Uh, you know, everybody said, let's move him to offensive tackle. No one particular person. Of course, Mike Mark, he was the head coach, and he said, yeah, okay, let's do it. And, uh, you know, so that's what we did. You know, position changes once guys get to the NFL, Jim, are pretty rare you just don't see it maybe a safety corner goes to safety or things like that but but you know and obviously tight ends do some blocking so there are some basics but you know knowing how rare it was knowing there just generally isn't a lot of patience in the NFL to let guys develop what was the challenge for you to try to get this to happen for Jason as quick as possible well what we did is we uh we met with them as much as we could every day, uh, you know, early, you know, when we had just either moved him to tackle and he was not a starter. And we kept going over all the uh, the assignments and the blocking schemes. And uh, it was interesting the first time he, uh, you know, on pass protection, the first time a guy pinched in, uh, he just let, let the guy go. You know what I mean? Like, like if a guy goes in, Maybe your buddy next to you will will switch with you, or maybe he'll come over and pick the guy, and you can come off on a on a on the next guy coming around. But Jason, the guy wouldn't say just let him go. He assumed somebody else would block him, so it was kind of kind of cute, you know. But anyway, uh, it was just experience. It was time. He he was a good learner, and uh, he figured it out. Uh, and uh, he, he was terrific. I mean, uh, when he when he started playing left tackle, I mean, he dominated everybody, everybody. It was it was unbelievable. Pass blocking, he could get out on a guy quick, on a flat angle where you think everybody else would get, either get beat inside or outside. He was stuck on him like glue. Uh, so anyway, uh, that was it. That's the story. I mean, he, he's he's powerful. I mean, you put your hands on him like a brick wall. I mean, he's as wide as he is tall almost. Uh, you know, so and he had the feet. He, uh, yeah, he 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 he's talent. He's a talented guy. He still is. Uh, so, would you, given what you said there, it sounds like he was a natural for the position. And if so, how come they didn't do it at Arkansas? <laughs> well, I think he played next to a guy in Arkansas. Uh, one of those guys that uh, he has a brother. Is it Stacy Andrews or an Andrews? Uh, one of the Andrews uh, guys. Uh, uh, so I don't know. I mean, maybe that's the way Jason Peters came as a as a tight end and. Uh, you know, uh, I, I have no idea why, why he, you know, why was he not drafted? I mean, I can't go through all the specifics of what what any issues were as far as why he was not a drafted player. But I know that uh, we took him as a free agent, and then we cut him. We actually cut him, and then a couple other teams brought him in, tested him, gave him a tryout, and no one no one signed him. And then we re-signed him 
and uh, I'm glad we did. <laughs> it's either Sean or Stacy Andrews, one of the one of the two, the Andrews yeah, brothers. Right. Yeah. He's pretty good. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, they were pretty good. Yeah. So I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but anyway, I mean, I think Peters as a tight end in college, he was flip flop. You know, he'd be the right end or the left end, and I, I I don't know why that was his position, but you know maybe he went there at 220 pounds and. Uh, uh, maybe he was a tight end and a linebacker. I, I, you know, I have no idea. But uh, anyway, he, he he's he's terrific. So you mentioned his uh, his first contract extension with Buffalo, and I know your your tenure there sort of uh, fell out in between that. Um, but do, can you speak at all to? Yeah, I left. Yeah, I, I left, and then he was still there for another year or two, and there were serious issues with his contract, et cetera. And then that's when he went to the Eagles, and he's been there ever since. Yeah, can, can you sort of speak to that? Do you do you have any insight as to maybe how that sort of fell no. out fell out of favor at all? If I if I did, I wouldn't tell you anyway. I'm kidding, but no, <laughs> no, I, mean, I don't like to get into contracts and why and who was happy, unhappy. No, I I don't know any of that. I, I know that uh, that uh, you know he went to the Eagles, and uh, and it's all history. You know, when he went to the Eagles, he's been through three, four coaches there too. You know, line coaches. So he's had a lot of different. Co- I mean, I I don't think anybody's really changed him, but I mean, he's had a lot of different coaches, uh, and he's you know so he's he's. He's had to go through some of that stuff too, you know. I mean, he's always been on the same team, but I'm, I think he's had four or five different line coaches. You know, Jim, you've had an a, an incredible career. You've coached so many high level players. We already mentioned, you know, your your connection with Anthony Munoz and you know the the, the your coaching that that turned him into a Hall of Famer. As you look back on the career, does what you were able to do with Peters rank maybe as high as? Uh, helping Anthony Munoz become one of the all-time greats. I mean, you know, from your own personal level well, of I, satisfaction. I, I, I don't. I don't think there's any question. Jason Peters is going to make the Hall of Fame. You know, it's just a matter of when he retires, and then five years later, I'm sure he'll be a first ballot. That would be my opinion. I mean, they, so, you know, everybody knows about him. Every, you know, all the sports writers, you know, et cetera. Uh, you know, I, I didn't do any more than anybody else would. I mean, I tried to help him convert from being a tight end to an offensive lineman, and he did it. He did the rest. I mean, I don't think I, I don't think there would be anybody else who would coach him any less. I think I was just lucky to be the guy that uh, had my hands on him so that we could transform him from a tight end to a tackle. Wow, great! I mean, great stuff there. Um... How does he compare to Munoz? I mean, having coached them both, uh, well, you know, he... Anthony Munoz is uh, maybe uh, answer to taller. Uh, you know, Anthony is, was a big guy. You know, back he was six six, three hundred pounds plus. I mean, Peters is six four, three fifty or three sixty. He's a little different kind of guy. You know what I mean? Anthony Munoz was a baseball player of Southern Cal. Uh, you know, it's hard for me that, you know, they're both great players. Anthony Munoz right now is listed as the greatest player to ever play his position. So it's hard for me to compare those two because Jason Peters is still playing. And I had a 13-year connection with Munoz. So obviously, uh, you know, Anthony Munoz is my favorite guy. But that doesn't mean that Jason Peters can't be just as qualified uh, to be a great player in the Hall of Fame. You know, final question for you, Jim, uh, it, more on a general offensive line related question. I, I think on this podcast with Mike, we've talked about 
um, the shortage of offensive quality offensive linemen around the league and almost to the point where it at times it seems like it's as hard to find five good offensive linemen as it is to find a quarterback these days in the league as a guy who's been devoted his life to the position who's still involved in the league in in scouting and observing and teaching um, give us a sense of of where the offensive line position is right now in the NFL well I, I still uh, I still work for the Bengals. I do a lot of projects. I'm updated on all the plays and techniques. And what I'm seeing is the defensive players are so quick and athletic that the offensive players, unless they are a terrific athlete themselves, it's hard for them to compete with the defensive linemen. Now, I'm not talking about the big 300 and 40-pound defensive tackle that just drives you back. I'm talking about the defensive linemen that are skilled, they're quick, they got moves, and uh, the offensive linemen just aren't as athletic. Uh, and uh, now that doesn't mean that our, is, there's not an occasional Jason Peters, Anthony Munoz, but that's where I see the biggest breakdown is the athletic ability to counter their moves or their you know, their rushes or their run moves. Now, why is that? I can't tell you. I mean, I can't tell you what's happened in the last. The defensive players have got better, and the offensive players haven't kind of kept up with that, even though they have great weight lifting and good coaching. And I mean, that's what I see. Jim, always a pleasure. Thanks. Uh, go get your flight and uh, head off to Cincinnati. And thanks for the insight. We're, you know, uh, we're intrigued by the fact that Jason is the second highest paid undrafted free agent in NFL history. And we thought it was interesting to get a little bit of your take on how that all happened. Yeah, well, like I say, it was an unbelievable. I will tell you this. When he made the Pro Bowl, he came in my room and the tears were in, our, in his eyes. And we remembered how far he had come from being cut, a tight end, to making the Pro Bowl, and that was an uh, that was an instance that I will never forget. I can still see him sitting across from me, the tears coming down his eyes. He had made it. That was terrific. Awesome. Thank Jim. We appreciate it. Safe travels. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. Well, I guess that cinches it. My previous yeah. comments before we talked. You to lose, him. When, Kevin. You when, lose. <laughs> well, Jim McNally says Hall of Famer. Good. We're done. Well, I said my knee-jerk reaction. <laughs> right. Um, and then when Jim McNally says there's no doubt, well, then I'm not going to question Jim no. McNally, right? I mean, Shots he's, called right there. He, he's a, uh, you know, one of the foremost experts on offensive line play in National Football League history, just not now. So um, he says it, okay. We were talking about Reuben Brown before, and you said it's nine Pro Bowls for Peters it also? Is. Yeah, nine Pro Bowls. All right, two, then he's in. Two first-team All-Pros. I think he's in, yeah. Okay, he's in. Yeah. All right, so now, Mike, the answer to the question. He's probably in over Reuben, by the way. I would think yeah, so. Yeah, the answer okay. we floated at the beginning of this, which is Peters is the second highest paid undrafted free agent in career earnings in NFL history. Mm -hmm. You're going to make everybody guess a little longer on who's first? No, no. I think you'll get there. I think just a lot of people forget this guy's actually undrafted, but it's Tony Romo. Okay. All right. Of course, it's a quarterback. Sure. Right. But it, it, but it means, I mean, look at Peters is, 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 is creeping up a little bit here. Peters is at 105 right now. He's the only, he's him and Romo are the only two undrafted free agents to reach hundred million. Um, and I don't see that happening anytime soon because third on this list is Antonio Gates who's made $71 million and he's only making two more this year. So yeah. mm. um, there's a couple of big, you know, a couple other names. You've got Donald Penn, who's sort of on the backside of his career. 
Uh, Doug Baldwin's on this list. He's kind of creeping up a little bit more. But other than that, I mean, Vinatieri, right? Right. Just there's there's of plenty longevity. of good kickers sure. on, on this UDFA list. But yeah. uh, you know, speaking of Hall of Famers, Adam Vinatieri right there, $47 million as a kicker. Um, but highest paid kicker of all time. Yes, uh, boy, I don't, I don't have that in front of me, but I have no. Actually, I think it's Janikowski still. Okay, I still wow. think it's Janikowski. He 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 signed some ridiculous contracts, and he was a first round pick too. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, it's Romo by about twenty million right now, and then Peters is number two. All right, you want to know modern era NFL offensive tackles that are in the Hall of Fame? Let's hear it. And there, there's one name that just cinches Jason Peters being in the Hall of Fame to me, but you know. Uh, Munoz, not really modern not era, really, no. but he's regarded as the all-time best, retired in 1992. Jonathan Ogden is going to be on that list, right? Uh, uh, Walt, uh, Jones, Walter Jones. Walter Jones is the one for me that, okay, Jason Peters. If Walter Jones is in, Jason Peters is in, Okay, yeah. in, in my mind. Okay, Orlando Pace is in, right? So Willie Rofe uh, is in. And there was one, Will uh, Will Shields was a guard. Sorry, not a let tackle. me ask you this: Does 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 being an undrafted free agent help his case? Sure. Yes, yes I, mean, I think it does. Absolutely. Right? Because yes. if you're a first round pick, you you just your assumptions are already there, right? Like this yes. guy's going to be great. But yes. this guy was a an undrafted tight end, right? I mean, oh, I think that's if, if it's, it's I think if anybody any of a voter is on the on the bubble of the decision yeah. that has to listen push to this them episode over. That, that should do it right if his stats compare to pace and ogden and rofe and those yeah. guys then then what peters will bring to the table is this incredible backstory no question did you know that lou the toe groza was also an offensive lineman i didn't know that no did. hall of famer say that seven times lou the toe groza right who is any, anything else <laughs> anybody else on that undrafted list that uh that that well, shock uh, anybody, jump out at anybody? Let, let's spin to this. So I, I ran some numbers this morning just in preparation here. Uh, I kind of wanted to see how the current league sort of stands with that, right? So take a, take a guess. Give me a number. How many week one starters in the NFL were undrafted free agents? At any position. Any position. Just across the league. I'm 45. Talking, I was going to say six. 193. What? What? 193. Starters. Yeah. When you what now? Yeah. When you figure, well, there's 44 yeah. in each game. Fullbacks, kickers. Yeah. Well, then there's more than 44 each game when yeah. you include kickers. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, say, I'm going. I'm running runners, the Most of them so are on draft. Well, the, the, two running backs, four wide receivers. It's it's an expanded okay. depth chart essentially as your starters. All right. Um. So it's it's a good chunk of players, but that's still a that's still a big. Do you have it by position? Number. Do you have them by position? I, I I don't have it broken down like well, that. Well, we know the punter. It's going to be kickers and punters. It's more a lot of special kickers, punters, long snappers because they're never drafted. Rarely, if ever drafted. Hold on a second. You're talking about kickers, punters, and quarterback. There's a quarterback and long snappers. That's only three per team. That's right. Like if everybody was undrafted in that position, you're only talking six per yeah. game. Right. Had, that's that's whatever. Right. That's a hundred. About a hundred, but there's no way not all not all of them are in that category. No. There who's was the, who's uh, the quarterback? The quarterback that was undrafted yep. that started new team this year. That should help you. Case Keenum. There you go. There you go. Wow. Yeah. All right. I was going to say, can you, can you make an all-star you, team? You could definitely. Make, I mean, you got Chris Hogan, Laguerre Blunt. You could do it. Yeah, we could get there for yeah. sure. So. Yeah. Now, and and I think what frankly, that, I'm uh, you know I'm disturbed, and so are all the listeners of this podcast that you don't have the all undrafted. <laughs> but uh, you know what I, that I did speaks it last to? Year. I'll do it again this year. I you know what year. that speaks to? That speaks wait, to. Wait to throw it right back at me. I got that, Kevin. I work right. hard over here. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> well, you'll get your point out in 20 minutes. Hang on. No, go ahead. It <laughs> speaks to what scouting is, and we talk an awful lot about yeah. the draft. Is that sometimes you can't measure heart and the you know, almost every one of those guys on that list didn't have the measurables 
that were worthy of being drafted, um, but they were probably all very productive college players. And again, that's, you know, scouting always will scout towards the measurables. That's that's the, as you run numbers and define uh, logic amongst salaries and numbers, scouts do that among measurables and yeah the guy's a great player but if he's a six foot three inch offensive tackle and you're looking for a six foot five inch offensive tackle he might not get drafted doesn't make him a bad player just makes him undrafted I think that's probably why the number is higher than we all thought it was I love the answer that uh, Jim gave to the difference between Munoz and Peters yeah he's two inches smaller right I mean that's how they think right that's exactly how they think arm length length for offensive tackles is is a is a non-negotiable no-brainer to be drafted or not drafted. Mm-hmm. If you have short arms, you're not getting drafted. All right, we we know that Kurt Warner was not drafted, mm-hmm. right? Can you name me the other Hall of Fame quarterback that was not drafted? There Ooh. may be more, but just a, this other one that just popped in mind, I'm like, pretty sure this guy was not drafted. Hall Warren Moon? Warren Moon is correct. Very nice. But he, circumstances had to play in that. I mean... Really? Well, sir, he wasn't drafted because... Uh, because he was a black quarterback at a time when black quarterbacks were not de- deemed worthy of being good, which is why he went to the well, CFL. Way to go, NFL. USA. Yeah. yeah. Right? CFL. 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 CFL first. Edmonton Eskimos. Yes. Really? Successful oh, yes. for like five years up there. unbelievable in the right. CFL. And really, Jerry Glanville and wanting to run the run and shoot at the time, which was an incredibly radical offense, mm-hmm. decided that, that was as close to what he was running in the CFL and brought him into Houston to be as successful as he was. So let's let's wrap on this. With By the, the way, why don't you have CFL contracts? Yeah, in there? I'm, no. I'm efforting. I get questions for leagues <laughs> every day. I'm every day. See, no, I, I'm kidding, but that's a serious inquiry you get. They want CFL I, I contracts. Get them all. I get them all. I get, They're I, a lot better than people think they are, right? In oh, yeah. general? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the way, CFL in the last like five to seven years has really raised its level of pay based on their TV contracts to get those guys to, to it's a viable mm-hmm. it's a viable career for guys to go up there. Not in and in the it wasn't all that long ago when the guys barely made enough money to even make it work. Do you know I right, just real quick, just to wrap it up, this and not, not make this the Warren I've got a great little CFL tidbit. Can I do that first? Well no, because I'm gonna give you Warren Moons. If you combine his CFL mm-hmm. stats um from Six seasons in the CFL, right? 78 through 83. And you combine that with his years in the National Football League with Houston, Minnesota, Seattle, and Kansas City. Probably forgot he played for Kansas City. It's only three games. He he, he thrown for nearly 70, it might even be 70, yes, 70,000 wow. yards, over 70,000 yards passing. And he is over 400 touchdowns Man. professionally. Right. It's incre- I mean, the CFL numbers were 21,000 yards and 144 touchdowns in six seasons. And then he went on to play a gazillion in the National Football League. Incredible. All yeah. right, so just off the top of your head, who's the who's the best undrafted free agent in NFL history? He's got to be in this conversation. Kurt Warner. More I, so than Moon. Moon's better. Yes. You've got to put Warren Moon at Moon's top better. above Kurt him. Kurt Warner won a Super Bowl and then took another team to a Super Bowl. He's oh. done what few quarterbacks do. He's, took two, he's taken two different teams to Super Bowls. Wow. You're you're throwing Moon away that quickly with those yes, stats? Yes, I am. Oh my goodness. Well, you know what? Kurt Warner was a winner. Yeah. Warren Moon well, was not. We're Warren certainly Moon not had, putting Romo in that conversation. Warren Moon <laughs> quarterback the team that had uh a, you know in the playoffs a team down and pff, lost the game. Is Antonio Gates even in this conversation? Of the greatest? No, Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner. I, I, of all time, any position? Yeah. Oh, he's Warner. in the conversation, but you yeah. never, he's not going to be better than a quarterback, I don't think so. 
Kurt, by the mere fact that Kurt Warner could bring two teams to a Super Bowl as a starting quarterback, uh, to me, makes him the greatest undrafted free agent in NFL history. And he won a Super Bowl. And you know, look at the numbers he put up in a, in a short career. You know, 30, uh, 32,000 yards, 208 touchdowns. The guy, the guy That's started 100. Excuse me. The guy, <laughs> the guy played 124 games. I know. 124 games. I know. Moon played 208. All right. I That's guess tough. the numbers no. are there then. He, yeah, he's the on, he's yeah. On, he was on pace. Then. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he was, he was on totally pace. on pace. Yeah. I, I think it's you know. And then if we get his arena career, no, I'm not kidding. Arena <laughs> <career>. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll leave this. I'll leave you. By with the way, the, get arena football league contracts in no, there yeah, too. No. Yeah, I'll leave you with the CFL <laughs> contract of the week tidbit. Uh, I don't know if it's still this way. I believe it is. I had a friend of who played in the CFL, and he said their player contract only requires they be uh, work four hours per day. Uh, that 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 it's actually pra- my contract. The practices <laughs> and like they're, they're only required to be in the building for four hours a day because in the past the guys had to go get regular jobs yeah. to supplement their income. So the player contract gave them half the day to go get another regular job to make enough money. Now I don't think that's it's not necessary anymore because they make enough money. But I believe it's still in the player contract for the CFL. Wow. Does that affect their benefits? <laughs> I don't know, but this is if you're going to get well, going on CFL contracts, that's listen, that's your impetus. They're in Canada. Yeah. They get everything anyway. Free that's benefits, right. but the taxes are crazy. So. Yes. Yeah. So All right. Some great stuff. Good Inter- stuff. Yeah. yeah. Thanks to Jim McNally for joining us here on the podcast. Great stuff on the undrafted free agents. Good discussion on Hall of Fame and some more information for you there on the Hall of Fame. If you uh, take issue with any of it, contact Mike. Um, but – Oh, a couple things. Here's a great way to contact Mike. Mike's always available on Twitter for you. And make sure you become a premium member at SpotTrack.com. You get all these great tools, ad-free experience. Uh, you know, Mike's uh, Total Sum podcast. Uh, he doesn't include us on in that one. But anyways, that is uh, up at the premium section of SpotTrack.com. Be sure to rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. And thanks for listening to the SpotTrack.com podcast. For Mike Gennetti, Paul Peck, I'm Kevin Sylvester.